There's a water theme in the book of John. In each of the first seven chapters of John's Gospel, there are significant events and conversation that involve water. And in each of these, Jesus is shown not only to have control over the water, but also offer a better alternative, the Holy Spirit. Welcome to Episode 9, The Healing Waters. Today's episode is going to cover some of the information in John chapter 5. We're going to mostly focus on a theme that John has in his gospel, one we haven't talked about yet on the podcast. It's about water. There's water everywhere in the first seven chapters. I don't know if you've noticed, we're going to take a quick walk backward and a little bit forward to where we are here in chapter 5 and just give you kind of a parameter. But before that, I wanted to talk about a diet that I was on. You know, every so often, Lisa, my wife and I, we take a look in the mirror and we realize that there's more of us than there really needs to be. (laughs) And so we end up on diets every once in a while. And one of the diets that we were on a couple of years ago, and I think it's a common one because I see people carrying around big jugs of water. It was a diet that encouraged you to drink at least a gallon of water a day. And I've got friends that have these huge, massive containers and they're marked on them you know, almost there, halfway there, keep on drinking, things like that as you carry it throughout the day. So Lisa and I were on a diet and we tried the gallon of water every day. And when we were on that diet, what I noticed after the first couple of days is number one, I was never thirsty. I, I just I was never thirsty. <laughs> I was drinking water when I wasn't thirsty. In fact, at times I felt waterlogged. I mean, I just felt like when I walked around the house or wherever I was, people would stare at me because my belly was actually gurgling and swishing and swashing. So I'm drinking when I'm not thirsty at all. That's the first thing I noticed. And secondly, the thing I noticed was that I had to start planning my day based on where bathrooms were on my route. When you're drinking that much water, I'm planning ahead about where I'm going to be in the next 20 minutes, because it seems like about every 20 minutes I'm having to visit the restroom. Water is highly important. We know that from a physiological standpoint today. If we don't have water, we die very quickly. Water is one of the most basic building blocks of life. And so it's not surprising that we find water themes in biblical literature. It's not just here in the book of John. John's just picking up on water themes in the Old Testament. And it begins all the way back in Genesis, if you think about it. I mean, uh, in the beginning, there was the chaos waters. It's a symbol of chaos that God then brings into and gives order to. And so in the biblical story, what we see is water and God having control over the water. And then that becomes... As we especially dive into the book of John, it becomes a theme that is plugged into the ministry of Jesus. So as we go into John chapter 5, the events of this chapter happen during a feast in Jerusalem. And we're not sure exactly which one of the feasts it was. There were seven feasts outlined in the Old Testament. and Three of those were what's called in-gathering feasts, where everybody would come to Jerusalem to visit, and then while they were there, other feasts would happen. And so likely what John is highlighting here is that it's during a feast, and so when Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he's part of a larger crowd that's going to be there. There's going to be a lot of people paying attention. It's a good time for Jesus to show who he is and what his ministry is all about. And we're told about a pool that is by the Sheep Gate. It's a pool that had a tradition 
of healing that went along with it. And this is the pool that plays into the water motif in this chapter for the book of John. You know, we've talked about the wedding theme in the gospel so far, mentioned it several times in previous episodes, but that's not the only theme. John is a masterful storyteller, and he is weaving together Old Testament pictures of God into his gospel of Jesus. And water is something we all understand. We interact with it on a daily basis. It's critical for our physical life. And John is using that thing that not only is important to us today, but it was important to everybody back then. And he's using it to tell the story of Jesus. And as we dive into John chapter 5, what we notice is that these events are happening during a feast in Jerusalem. We can assume that the population of Jerusalem is swelling during this time, that there are thousands upon thousands of people there. It's a great time for Jesus to highlight his ministry. And that's what we find in this story. So let's actually dive into the water motif, if you will. And let's walk back through the book of John and just see where we've been and where we're going in this book. This is one of the benefits of studying an entire book. To, it's the ability to see the themes and the structures that the author has used. So if you remember back in John chapter 1, John is baptizing with water. But he says, Jesus is going to come after me and he will baptize not with water, but with something else. And it's this connection with the Holy Spirit that Jesus baptizes with that plays into and makes a connection into the water theme. Well, in John chapter 2, Jesus turns purification water into wine. This is ceremonial water that's used for washing, and it's shown to be inferior to Jesus's wine, which cleanses from within. And then in John chapter 3, Jesus controls the water and the wind that causes new birth from above. As we slide into John chapter 4, just in this last episode, Jesus offers what? Living water to the woman at the well. The well water can't quench thirst like the Holy Spirit that Jesus is offering. Here in John chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, Jesus heals a man who is by a body of water that's incapable of healing him, but Jesus offers a healing that's better than that water has to offer. And then we'll see in John chapter 6, a very important event where Jesus walks on the water. And in John chapter 7, there's a long discourse I'm just going to jump ahead to John chapter 7 now and, and read a few verses because this is kind of a culmination statement about this water theme. And in John 7, 37, it says, Now on the last, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And here's the statement that ties the whole water theme together with Jesus's ministry. Verse 39, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That from John 7, 37 through 39, kind of the culmination, giving some definition to this water motif in the book of John. So as we understand that John has used water as he's presented Jesus in the first seven chapters, let's dive back into chapter five and just take a look at this particular episode. 
And we just need to know that when we do read about water in John's gospel, that we're supposed to be coming to the conclusion that there is something in the unseen realm that is as critical to our survival as water is in the seen realm. I don't know if you've ever thought about it in those terms, but in the same way that your body needs water on a daily basis to survive and thrive, the biblical theme of connecting water with the Holy Spirit is suggesting that there's this force in the unseen realm that is just as critical to our survival. And it's just interesting to me, in my experience in life, how I rarely go a day where I don't consume water willfully just because I understand its importance. And yet there are days that go by where, spiritually speaking, I'm not thinking as critically about the Holy Spirit's ministry in my life. And I think that's not just unique to me. I think that's unique to humanity. And so here, as we dive into the book of John, especially here in John 5, let's just consider the importance of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. The other topic that plays heavily into the story in John chapter 5 is this concept of Sabbath. The events of the healing of the man at the pool happen on a Sabbath day. And I've spent a lot of time thinking and writing about the Sabbath. I've got a book manuscript that I'm looking for a publisher currently that's on the topic of Sabbath rest. We do just need to acknowledge that the idea of biblical rest started back at the creation. We have six days of creation where God is taking the chaos that exists and he's giving order and function to the chaos. He's putting things in their place and then he's giving them a function, something to do. And he does that for humanity as well. He gives humanity a place to be and a thing to do. We're asked to rule and subdue. And when Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, they are given the role of cultivating and keeping. We are to be fruitful and multiply. We are to rule and subdue. We are to cultivate and keep. We have our place to be and our thing to do. And the idea is that we are to do that alongside God. And when God slips into his rest on day seven, it's a rest that doesn't just last for one day. It's a rest that continues on from that point. And God is in his rest because biblical rest is rule. When God is ruling and we are in our place as humans doing the thing we're supposed to be doing the way God would have us do it, we are at rest with him. And what we find when we come to John chapter 5 is a human, a man, who is not able to do what humans were created to do. He's been afflicted. And it's been a long time. It's been 38 years. And this is a result of sin in the world. Each of us has a unique set of skills that God has given us. And we've all been gifted by God. And when we use those skills as subjects under God's rule, we have found our sweet spot. And this guy at the pool is having a hard time finding his sweet spot because his body is damaged. There's a great movie called Chariots of Fire. For those of you that haven't seen it, it's a film based on the true story of two British Olympic athletes in the 1924 Games. Eric Liddell was one of them, and he was a religious man, and one of his races was to be held on Sunday, and he opted not to run because of his commitment to an idea of Sabbath rest. But in the movie, he says something that I think is just critical to our understanding of how we find our rest. 
He said, God made me fast. He was a runner, a sprinter. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. So in one sense, I can't relate to that at all (laughs) because I've never been very fast (laughs) at most anything. But you know what? God has made me a certain way. And there is something that I do that when I do it, I feel his pleasure as well. And I know that that's true for you as well. No matter who you are, as a part of the human race, you've been given gifts and abilities, special talents, that when you do them, you feel God's pleasure in the act of doing that. When we use the gifts God's given us and honor the one who gave them to us, we function under God's rule and we experience true Sabbath. And Jesus comes upon a man laying by a pool, and he's been an invalid for 38 years, and he's not been able to do what humanity has been called to do. So Jesus saw a man who was not able to function to his full capacity. He was physically disabled, and Jesus returned him to a place of physical functionality. But this character is a little more complicated than just that. It can't just be about the physical healing. And I know a lot of people get really focused on physical healing, and I get it because our bodies are falling apart and people are dying, and we want them to live physically. But in John's gospel, the physical healings are always secondary. It's always used to highlight the ministry of the Holy Spirit, something that saves not just for a time, but for eternity. John is telling us this story to show what Jesus can do, not for us physically, but for us spiritually. Without Jesus and the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, we are spiritually disabled. That's what sin does. It stunts us. It keeps us down. Sin keeps us from finding our sweet spots. In his interaction with this man, Jesus has some interesting questions. The first one's in verse 6. Do you wish to get well? He asked this man who has been disabled for 38 years if he wishes to get well. And it's often pointed out that the man doesn't necessarily just say yes. Uh, Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. He's giving an excuse as to everything that he's been able to do on his own to get healed. It's often pointed out that he just doesn't come out and say yes. But we could also look at it a different way. What he is saying is, I am helpless to fix my situation on my own. I am in need of help, which is a great place to be with Jesus asking you the question. And to that response, Jesus says to him, verse 8, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And verse 9 says, immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. And then it says, and it was the Sabbath on that day. If we think of Sabbath as being in our sweet spot, being able to do what we were created to do in the place that God would have us be at any given moment, when this man was healed, it was not just a seventh-day Sabbath that comes into play in the rest of the chapter where the religious leadership goes bonkers because Jesus is healing and asks this man to do something he's not supposed to do on the Sabbath. But in a spiritual sense— This man is experiencing Sabbath when he's healed. 
he is able once again to be in the place that God would have him be, and he's able to do the thing that God would have him do. And we see that with the very words of Jesus, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. So here's the challenge. How do we tie everything together? This water theme in the book of John, this idea of Sabbath, this man that's been healed. When Jesus departed from this earth, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. And it's this spirit that plays a crucial role in each of our spiritual lives. Every single one of us individually, the spirit plays a crucial role. We are utterly dependent on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to operate the way we were meant to operate. Let me repeat that because I'm not sure everybody fully buys in to that concept. The Spirit plays a crucial role in each of our spiritual lives. We are utterly dependent on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to operate the way we were meant to. And if we're going through life and we're not depending on the Holy Spirit to operate, what we're doing is living outside the influence of the one who created us. We're still trying to do what we were created to do, but we're doing it for our own interest under our own power. It is the spirit that helps each of us find our sweet spots in life. And it's the spirit that tells us it's time to get up and walk. In other words, it's the spirit that tells us what our place to be is and our thing to do is at any given moment in our lives. And this is as critical to us as our consumption of water in the physical realm. And if we're not consuming and being consumed by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, what Jesus is saying, what John is saying, what the Bible says, is that we're not living at rest. We are in a state of unrest because we're going against and fighting against where God would have us be and what he would have us do. I have a great personal example of this, uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in your lives. I have an Apple Watch. It's a great piece of technology. I can't believe it exists and everything that it can do. And one of the things that my watch does is uh, every so often, it very politely reminds me when it's time to stand. It says, stand up and move a little for a minute. (laughs) It's a very low bar, right? (laughs) And the thing I love about my Apple Watch is not only does it remind me to stand up and move for just even a minute, but when I actually do it, it gives me positive feedback. It says you did it, (laughs) and I rejoice. My Apple Watch is a friendly little reminder that keeps track of my movement. And when I'm not very active, my Apple Watch reminds me, hey, you were created to be active. Maybe you should get up off the couch Stop watching the Olympics. Yay, you did it. I found my sweet spot. And really the question is, what is your sweet spot? What is it that when you do that thing, you feel like you're honoring God? How has he gifted you? Part of the job of being a human is trying to recognize what that is for you. Helping other people find what it is for them. It's not always easy to determine And sometimes we need help from those around us to say, you know what, you're really good at that. And when we do recognize what it is that we're good at, what helps us feel God's pleasure when we're doing it, then it's time to listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. And what's the Holy Spirit going to say? Hey, it's time to get up. Maybe you should move around for about a minute. (laughs) It's time to get up and pick up your pallet and stay in step with the Holy Spirit and listen as you go. 
So today, may you, more than maybe any other time in your life, know your place to be and your thing to do. May you find this knowledge not through your own ingenuity, but under the plan that God has for you. And may you do it for the glory of God. May you listen to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit says, get up and walk, may we have the courage to do that and to slip into a Sabbath experience like the man who is healed by the pool in Jerusalem. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening in. Also wanted to remind you that at RethinkingScripture.com, I've got a video on the entirety of John chapter 5, covered a lot more information than I was able to today on the podcast. Invite you to make your way over to the website, click on Bible Studies and John, and you'll find your way to that video. I'm looking forward to the next episode. John chapter 6 has two events that are also included in other Gospels, which is a rarity for John's Gospel. Most of his information is brand new, but in John chapter 6, there's two things that are covered in the synoptics, and we'll ask the question why. We'll see you then. Come on back to the Rethinking Scripture podcast.